Good morning. morning. It is a beautiful hymn. I appreciate you, um, Noad and Michael, trying something new and different. We'd like to um, expand our knowledge base of God's hymns because uh, they're rich and they give expression to our hearts. So thank you. We're continuing in our study of Matthew 23, if you want to turn there. Last week, we looked at the impurities that the scribes and Pharisees had introduced into the service of the Lord God, and Jesus warned his disciples and the multitude who was there to avoid those um, pitfalls, those impurities. And uh, through it, uh, I was reminded that even the most privileged among us, like the Jewish leaders of the day, Um, were self-seeking by nature. Uh, Let them have free reign, and they're going to uh, seek for themselves. The scribes and Pharisees supposed themselves to be spokesmen for Jehovah, and yet how self-centered and ambitious they were. Jesus is the beacon of of truth and light, and uh, he shined the truth on the self-proclaimed leaders. So um, the light of the world truly is Jesus. That was last week. Uh, This week, our scripture portion begins in uh, verse 13, uh, Matthew 23, 13, with the word but. The Lord Jesus turns from addressing his disciples and the multitude, and now he's focused. Now he's focused on a particular section of that group, and he's addressing the scribes and Pharisees. They weren't uh, difficult to identify in the crowd. They wore the broad phylacteries that Noad talked about last week. They, um, they swished around in their, their long robes, very, uh, uh, very stately, and they had widened the, the borders of their garments, so uh, their robes, so they looked like uh, royalty. They looked very official. And so Jesus is, uh, is addressing them this morning. In this week's scripture, the Lord issues seven woes. He refers to the scribes and Pharisees as hypocrites six times. And he uh, calls them blind five times. So um, uh, brace yourselves for uh, rebuke. Uh, you're going to hear the Lord Jesus speaking to these uh, scribes and Pharisees. Next week, Lord willing, we'll look at the third part of the Lord's address to, uh, to those in the temple and uh, finish his rebuke of the scribes and Pharisees. And um, we'll see that these uh, religious leaders were those who had murdered God's uh, prophets, his messengers, and... Um, they would themselves murder their own Messiah, the unique Son of God. These three portions of Matthew 23 have been described as Jesus' final sermon. Let's, um, let's pick up our, our scripture for today, Matthew 23, 13. But woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you shut up the kingdom of heaven against men, For you neither go in yourselves, 
nor do you allow those who are entering to go in. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you devour widows' houses and for a pretense make long prayers. Therefore you will receive greater condemnation. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you travel land and sea to win one proselyte, and when he is one, you make him twice as much a son of hell as yourselves. Woe to you, blind guides, who say, whoever swears by the temple, it is nothing, but whoever swears by the gold of the temple, he is obliged to perform it. Fools and blind, for which is greater, the gold or the temple that sanctifies the gold? And whoever swears by the altar, it is nothing, but whoever swears by the gift that is on it, he is obliged to perform it. Fools and blind, for which is greater, the gift or the altar that sanctifies the gift? Therefore, he who swears by the altar swears by it and by all things on it. He who swears by the temple swears by it and by him who dwells in it. And he who swears by heaven swears by the throne of God and by him who sits on it. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faith. These you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. Blind guides who strain out a gnat and swallow a camel. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you cleanse the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they are full of extortion and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee, first cleanse the inside of the cup and dish, that the outside of them may be clean also. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like the whitewashed tombs, which indeed appear beautiful outwardly, but inside are full of dead men's bones and all uncleanness. Even so, you also outwardly appear righteous to men, but inside you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Wow, I feel the, uh, the sting of this rebuke just reading the, uh, reading the passage uh, as Jesus lashed out against these, um, these uh, imposters. We'll look at three... Uh, three headings this morning. Uh, first of all, what's wrong with hypocrisy? Really, what's wrong with hypocrisy? Then we'll look at uh, these verses, Jesus' rebuke of the re religious leaders and their fake devotedness. And then third, we'll apply these verses personally to us today. Let's, uh, let's think for a minute about uh, what's wrong with hypocrisy. Luke, would you bring up the first slide? And I want you to identify some of these, uh, some of these games that children play. Tell me what they're doing. Huh? Masquerade, but yeah, what, uh, they, um, they're in the basement of their grandma's house and they, they find this uh, treasure of, uh, of clothes. What are they doing? Yeah, yeah, they're dressing up. <laughs> okay, um, so yeah, masquerade is fine, but um, really, uh, for a few hours, a young girl can become a princess, uh, or a, or a ballerina, 
or the debutante at uh, Cinderella's Ball. Okay, uh, next, what game is this? <laughs> Cowboys and Indians, okay. Uh, with a little imagination, a cowboy hat and a few feathers can transform a backyard into the Wild West. Uh, third slide. Soldiers or? Yeah, that's what I thought, safari. Or it's uh, army. This is supposed to be army, but they look like they're uh, searching for that elephant. Um, we played army uh in our neighborhood, and the kid with a surplus World War II canteen or a helmet, he was automatically the sergeant. What's the common ingredient in all these? Thanks for the slides. Pretend. Thank you, Kathy. Pretend. They're pretending to be something that they're not. And... Um, it's fun. I mean, these, these kids are having a blast. They'll, they'll be quiet for hours, and, and uh, they'll take back uh, memories of it. Sadly, there's an adult version of this game that uh, results in uh, deceit, murderous thoughts, and envy. Jesus said in Matthew 15, he said, Well did Isaiah prophesy about you, saying, These people draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. They were pretenders. They pretended to draw near the Lord with their mouths. They had great things to say about Jehovah, but their hearts, where it really mattered, their hearts were far from him. What is hypocrisy? If we were to define it in, um, in, in simple terms, hypocrisy is pretending to be what I am not and pretending not to be what I am. Pretending to be what I'm not pretending not to be what I am. The scribes and Pharisees pretended to be zealous and affectionate toward God, but they were not. They pretended not to be defiled in mind and conscience, but they were. To say that we obey the Lord when we disobey him is a lie. To act like we obeyed the Lord when we disobeyed him, is hypocrisy. Motives for hypocrisy include hiding the truth, protecting my reputation, and gaining respect in the eyes of my fellows. Who is the religious pretender trying to impress? He wants to impress his fellows, his, uh, uh, his peers. And so Jesus warned in Matthew 6, in his Sermon on the Mount, he said, When you do a charitable deed, do not sound a trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory from men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. 
the pretender um, with his uh, trumpet sounding good works, he sought for the glory of men. That was his goal. That was his aim for the day, and he got it. Jesus said, okay, you got your reward. But there was no reward from his father. In Matthew 23, the Lord said, all their works to be, uh, all their works they do to be seen by men. Matthew 23, 5. Uh, it's good for us to define terms. And if we dig a little bit into these uh, few words in Matthew 23, 5, we see that uh, the term, the word for see is not just looking, not just beholding, but it's to, uh, to be admired. It's to be respected and uh, to be regarded as special. And so that's what the uh, Pharisees were doing. They wanted to be admired by other religious people. Imagine socializing in a room full of people who are all boasting about things that they've never done. Maybe you've done that before. A whole room full of uh, people who want your admiration. And so they're telling you about um, uh, things they did that um, they, they didn't. So they, um, they were trying to impress people, their peers. They may also try to impress the Lord. Recall in Luke 18, two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all I possess. The Pharisee imagined that the Lord would be so honored to have him in his service. What is it about the Pharisee's perception of Jehovah God that caused him to pray that way? Obviously, he thought much of himself, but what is he thinking about the Lord when he prays uh, that kind of uh, self-congratulatory prayer? Does he think that God is blind? That he's unjust? Does he think that God is as greedy as he? I, I, he must have. Uh Third thing we see in the evil of hypocrisy is uh, we can tell because of the response it draws from others. The world hates hypocrisy. Especially those uh, hypocrites who profess to love and serve God. The two big complaints of the world about the church is all they want is your Money, and the church is full of hypocrites. Okay? The world hates hypocrisy. They recognize it, they see it, they smell it, and they, uh, uh, they tell us about it. Secondly, anyone with a sense of justice hates hypocrisy because the pretender fools people into giving him or her 
something of value. I'm pretending to be what I'm not so I can get something from you. We hear scammers on the phone trying to get access to my credit card number, my bank account. They want my confidence. They're trying to win my confidence. Think of Phariseeism as a religious scam on cultural or natural, uh, national uh, level. It wasn't just a, a, scam, a scammer on the phone. This was a whole uh, culture of, of scamming. But uh, the world hates hypocrisy. Uh, those with a sense of justice hate hypocrisy. But uh, none of these compare with the hatred that uh, Jehovah God has for hypocrisy. He rejects the, the hypocrite. We read in uh, Job 13, part of uh, Job's defense before his miserable comforters, though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. Even so, I will defend my own ways before him. He, shall, uh, he also shall be my salvation. For a hypocrite could not come before him. Again, let's define, uh, define some terms. What does it mean that the hypocrite could not come before God? Job indicated that the hypocrite cannot find a favorable audience before God. Okay? Isaiah warned of God's judgment against religious pretenders. He said, the sinners in Zion are afraid. Fearfulness has seized the hypocrites. Who among us shall dwell with a devouring fire? Who among us shall dwell with everlasting burnings? The hypocrites were afraid. They knew that, um, uh, that Jehovah hated hypocrisy. A fourth thing wrong with hypocrisy is that it directly opposes the truth. It defies the truth. It assaults the truth. The Lord insists on truth, just as he loves righteousness. We read in um, Psalm 33, verse 5, the word of the Lord is right, and all his work is done in truth. He loves righteousness and justice. Think of that as a major quality of the Lord God, that he loves righteousness. He loves truth. The Lord Jesus boldly asserted, I am the truth. What does that mean? That means that he embodies the truth. He is the truth in the flesh. He is the living word of God. The truth in all its fullness is found in Christ. He is real and genuine. And there is no play acting, no pretending with the Lord Jesus. Are you looking for the truth? Paul directed the Ephesians, the truth is in Jesus. Jesus is the amen, the faithful and true witness of his revelation to the apostle John in the book of Revelation chapter 3. The truth cannot partner with lies. What fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? 
And what communion has light with darkness? And what accord has Christ with Belial? His is not a passive intolerance of falsehood, but an energized hatred for what is false. He told the, um, the false teachers, he said, depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. It wasn't uh, a passive intolerance. He, uh, he actively uh, purged sin and hypocrisy. Jesus expects the truth from his creatures. Uh, David asked in um, Psalm 15, he said, Lord, who may abide in your tabernacle? Who may dwell in your holy hill? David answered the question, he who walks uprightly and works righteousness and speaks the truth in his heart. He speaks the truth in his heart. He's not lying. He's not uh, pretending. He's, uh, he's there, honest with who he is. Driving into uh, the chapel this morning, a uh, pickup truck uh, passed me. He wasn't going real fast, but uh, he passed me, and his license plate read the numeral 4, R-E-A-L. And I thought, I'm going to use your license plate as an illustration in the message this morning. For real! For real. Wish I could have talked with this guy. Maybe I will. Maybe I'll see him later. But God expects us to be for real. He is real. He is genuine. And he expects no less from his creatures. Okay? What I speak in my heart concerning myself and concerning the Lord must correspond with how I act about myself, and toward the Lord. We can do many things without this inward honesty, but abiding with God is not one of them. Uh, David said in his, uh, in his Psalm 51, he said, Behold, you desire truth in the inward parts. So that lays a background for what we are going to uh, study. Um, we had to lay that background so that we don't pass too lightly over these, uh, these woes that the Lord pronounced. A woe is a sharp criticism. It's a strong disapproval, a solemn threat. And the first one in verse 13 is, um, you shut up the kingdom of heaven against men. You neither go in yourselves nor do you allow those who are entering to go in. The Pharisees reinterpreted the Old Testament scriptures that revealed so plainly the Messiah's coming and who he is and what he's like. Jesus pronounced a woe against them in Luke 11. He said, Woe to you lawyers, for you have taken away the key of knowledge. You did not enter in yourselves, and those who were entering in you hindered. They took away the key of knowledge. They, um, they reinterpreted, they twisted the scripture and made it look like it, uh, uh, like it wasn't. They also forbid people from speaking of Jesus as Messiah. Remember the uh, blind parents in John 9 
They feared the Jews, for the Jews had agreed already that if anyone confessed that he was Christ, he would be put out of the synagogue. Anyone confessing that Jesus was Christ would be put out, excommunicated, um, turned out from the synagogue. Cults in our day twist the scripture and divert would-be followers from the Lord Jesus. We may wonder at the seriousness of the Pharisees' offense that the Savior of sinners, the one who, uh, who loved men's souls, would be compelled to rail against these pretenders. Because uh, we read in Psalm 45, you're fairer than the sons of men. Grace is poured upon your lips. Therefore, God has blessed you forever. Grace, we think of the Lord Jesus in his grace. And uh, John 3:17, God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So Jesus had to step outside his, uh, his gracious speech to deliver this needed rebuke to those uh, pretenders who were misleading those uh, who would have followed him. The Pharisees, by their hypocrisy, misled people and killed them and, uh, and uh, sent them to hell. Verse 14, you devour widows' houses and for a pretense make long prayers. Therefore, you will receive greater condemnation. The Pharisees prayed on those they should have prayed for. Widows are the special object of the Lord's care. We read that in Psalm 68.5. For the Pharisees to turn on these seemingly defenseless people showed their greed and their brutality. As a disguise for their real motives, their greed, um, their love for, for money, they offered long prayers. And so we'd see, uh, we'd hear this uh, Pharisee in the, in the synagogue with this uh, beautifully eloquent prayer, and we'd say, wow, he's a spiritual guy. But sitting in the, in the synagogue also is a young man whose uh, grandmother had been forced out of her house by this same Pharisee. He would have recognized the hypocrisy. They tried to, to disguise, tried to cloak their greed with these long prayers. Jesus hated it. They would receive a greater condemnation. It's sobering to think that um, hell was prepared for the devil and his uh, angels and yet there's a special place there for hypocrites. They had a misguided zeal in verse 15. You travel land and sea to win one proselyte, and when he's one, you make him twice as much a son of hell as yourselves. The Pharisees' diligence was commendable. They, they compassed land and sea. They were tireless in their efforts. And so uh, we should imitate them, except for the uh, immoral result of their, uh, their proselytizing. And that was that they, they created these uh, doubly 
corrupt uh, followers. The cults work tirelessly for their converts. I, I hear them knocking on doors and um, uh, sending out literature, and um, they are, uh, they're tireless. We should be at least as diligent and energetic as they Verses 16 through 22, the Lord takes them to task uh, because of their twisted sense of values. They were blinded by greed, by their love for material things. And in uh, Matthew 15, the Lord says, um, they're blind, leaders of the blind, and if the blind leads the blind, both will fall into a ditch. I'd like to um, offer you an illustration here by blinding myself temporarily. This is a, um, what's this called? A sleep mask? Okay. Not a what? Another mask. Okay, so um, so back in the day, um, a person who was blind might wear a sign that said um, "blind," and uh, uh, it was to alert people that he was coming down the sidewalk or whatever to watch out for him. But I imagine that it also um, uh, he gathered a certain um, sympathy with uh, with people by wearing this sign. But um, how different it would be if instead of, um, instead of being blind, I offer myself as a guide. What, what I'd like to do is offer one of you free passage uh, from here across Alvarado Boulevard. <laughs> Take my hand. <laughs> Trust me. Okay? I've been there before. I have any takers? What's wrong? (laughs) If it was Frank, you'd do it. Okay. You get the picture. What is more aggravating than being blind? It's choosing to be blind. These, um, These Pharisees, the Lord Jesus had offered eyesight, he had uh, he pled with them uh, to see, and yet they would not. What's, um, what's worse than choosing to be blind? Pretending to see. So uh, these Pharisees were, uh, were offering to guide uh, blind people, and they themselves were blind. Follow me, the Pharisees said. And Jesus warned, you'll both end up in a ditch. In, um, in these verses, the Lord Jesus doesn't approve of their oaths, but he sought to use their complex system to show their misplaced values. So um, they, uh, they're swearing for the sake of time. Uh, we'll not read, but uh, read on your own. Uh, He had already told the multitude in his Sermon on the Mount 
Do not swear at all, but let your yes be yes and your no, no. But the Pharisees were foolish. They said, if I swear by the temple, I'm not bound to my oath. But if I swear by the gold in the temple, then I have to perform. So childish. Uh, It's like a, a kid's game. And as you read through these verses, the Pharisees' valuation was the gold more than the temple, the gift on the altar more than the empty altar, and the temple more than God who dwelt in it. And we see from their priorities that they esteemed physical things. They esteemed material riches more than spiritual. Their eyes were not on spiritual. Their eyes were on the, um, their, their personal physical gain. In verses 23 and 24, they tithed the minutest items to the neglect of the weightier matters of the law. Edersheim said, uh, religious zeal, which expends itself on trifles, has not room or strength left for weightier matters of the law. The the Pharisees, uh, in verse 24, they strained out a gnat and swallowed a camel. So uh, the idea was um, that these gnats bred in uh, fermenting wine and the the, uh, Pharisees strained them out, okay? Everybody did. It wasn't just the Pharisees. But... um, the, the thing that they missed was the camel who was, uh, who was passing by. Um, one commentator notes, the Lord's word picture demonstrated that the Pharisees focused their religious attention on matters so minute and trivial, allowing larger things, a camel, to pass unnoticed and seemingly irrelevant. In other words, the first and great commandment And the second commandment had no place in the Pharisees' philosophy. They weren't loving the Lord their God with all their heart, all their soul, all their mind, and they weren't loving their neighbor as themselves. But they tithed their their dried herbs. The Lord... um, rebukes them in verses 25 and 26 um, as uh, an unclean uh, cup and dish. On the outside, it was, it was clean, but the inside was, uh, was full of extortion and self-indulgence. Extortion means the forceful seizure of property and self-indulgence, the, um, their moral weakness and lack of self-control. How were, to, how were the Pharisees to cleanse the inside of the cup? Well, John the Baptist told them in Matthew 3, he, he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, and he said to them, Brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Therefore, bear fruits worthy of repentance. Pharisees, repent, repent, change, turn from your, your wickedness. Peter's words to the Jerusalem council spoke of faith. God, who knows the heart, acknowledged the Gentiles by giving them the Holy Spirit 
just as he did to us Jews and made no distinction between us and them, purifying their hearts through faith. So the Pharisees could, uh, couldn't save themselves, but they could do um, what they could to remove these um, false ideas of Christ and repent of their wickedness and trust in him. Ultimately, it's the blood of Christ that cleanses from sin. Hebrews 9.14, How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered him without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? And then uh, verse, um, verses 27 and 28, they were like whitewashed tombs. These, uh, these tombs were painted every year so that... Uh, Jews wouldn't um, inadvertently touch them and become ceremoniously defiled. And Jesus likened the scribes and Pharisees to these tombs. They looked clean on the outside, but inside they were corrupt. Bill McDonald says in his commentary, men thought that contact with these religious leaders would be sanctifying, but actually it was a defiling experience because they were full of hypocrisy and iniquity. Application. Hypocrisy for the Pharisee is fatal. Today's hypocrite says, I'm okay, I'm a follower of Jesus, which he may appear on the outside, but actually his heart is far from God. They come to you as people do. They sit before you as my people, and they hear your words, but they do not do them. For with their mouth they show much love, but their hearts pursue their own gain. The hypocrite is far from God, though, uh, though he professes love for God. There is a cure for this fatal hypocrisy, and that is... Um, as we looked at in, in uh, Psalm 15, speak the truth in your heart. The Pharisee should have learned from the tax collector we read about in Luke 18. The tax collector standing afar off would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Catherine Hankey wrote in her hymn, she said, Tell me the story softly with earnest tones and grave. Remember, I'm the sinner whom Jesus came to save. <clears throat> Hypocrite, see yourself as God sees you, unclean and unreformable. Agree with God in your heart. Bring truth into your inward parts. Jesus will love you and wash you from your sins in his own blood. Let's pray. Lord, we, um, we thank you for your gracious speech. Uh, your lips uh, uh, have grace poured upon them, and yet we learn much as well from your uh, stunning rebuke of these uh, religious pretenders. We pray if, um, uh, Lord, there is that one uh, religious pretender here today, that you'd speak to him, speak to her, and... Uh, let uh, let a pretender know that um, his his disease his um, hypocrisy is fatal, but that there is a cure, 
we, um, we thank you, Lord Jesus, for your word in your name. Amen.